It's me, Alex. I'm recording a podcast. Hi. Uh, I have on tonight, via the magic of quarantine Zoom, Mr. Eric Arneson. Holy shit, really? Yeah, that guy. Oh, God, it's me. You, you may you may know him from this and that yeah. other time he was on this and his show, yeah. Arnamancy. Arnamancy. And Which that- I, you know, Arnamancy's been going pretty well. I've been trying to uh, record extra episodes and it's been... Um, there, I've run into some really interesting challenges, actually, technology-wise, uh, which I'm going to talk about right now since we're on a podcast. Um, so uh, I have been a work-at-home person for a long, 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 long time. You know, I'm, I'm a independent contractor in my like uh, mundane uh, life, my secret identity life, and uh, I also am. I'm, I'm kind of a I'm, I'm kind of a cheapskate when it comes to internet access. So I had kind of like, um, maybe not the cheapest, but one of the cheapest bundles that CenturyLink offers in my neighborhood. Uh, and that was fine. But now my roommate is also working from home and his job involves a lot of like remote desktop and video conferencing and voice over IP and VPN stuff. So it turns out that like during business hours when he's working, my internet access just sucks. And so I've had to change all of my stuff so I can't do um, podcast uh, interviews during the day. And uh, it's just, and it's been, it's been very frustrating. I've been, I've been, I've been mad at the internet and mad at my equipment and mad at like my lack of foresight and a bunch of stuff, but uh, but I still have managed, you know, like, I think I'm kind of on course to do, uh, three episodes a month for the, for the rest of the, uh, lockdown period, which is more than I usually do. What's your, what's your regular, regular schedule? Uh, usually I do every other week. So this is kind of a tiny increase, like maybe almost 50% more episodes. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. so you're on the uh, well. No, you're you're on what my show should be, but I never actually stick to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I never really stick to it either. But I, I try. I try for an episode every other week. But right now, I'm doing um, like one more than that. So maybe yeah. like three episodes every four weeks. Well, congratulations on being Mister Fucking. I'm better than Alex doing stuff during the quarantine. Way to rub you it in, got, jerk. Whatever you've got, like two podcasts, dude. You have another podcast where you're putting out way more episodes. So, well, I have another podcast that I do every other week, and um, and then the Alex cast, which I basically don't do. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, we're doing one now, but it is it is so. This is so like last minute yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm doing anymore show we didn't even know what we were going to talk about until we started until like an hour ago so this is exciting Uh, well the reason i was i was asking 
you for what we should talk about is this, is I have been mopey, make I suck at life lately. Um, uh-huh. And it makes being dynamic and talking to people in a way that anybody wants to listen to difficult. But um, right. yeah, I forgot I that I had uh, LSD microdosing in my freezer. So oh. I took drugs, performance enhancing drugs, to be better at podcasting. And now I feel like, oh, we could probably just yap for the amount of time and it there's nothing to worry about. Well, I got to say that, um, so my, so I have, an, I have a regular brunch group that I met with, um, maybe not every week, but at least every other week um, before the pandemic shut down all of our brunch spots. And so we've been meeting on Zoom. And this morning I, or so like, this week I was sort of thinking like, man, I really miss having a mimosa at brunch. Cause I just, you know, I don't keep sparkling wine in the house, which I know is, seems very against my character. I feel like I seem like the sort of person who would always have a bottle of champagne on hand just in case. Uh, which no, 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 case, if I can, not... if I can just jut it. No, you seem like the type that would keep a bottle of very nice port on hand. You know, I used to do that too. Yeah, okay, there nice we go. Yeah. Port, and I used to have a bottle of emergency champagne. Because, <laughs> you never know. These are things that sometimes you need. Um, I think I drank your emergency champagne on, on New Year's Eve. That wasn't emergency champagne. That was New Year's Eve champagne. Oh, oh you actually bought that for, oh, yeah. Look at you oh, playing yeah, in the head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. That was totally New Year's Eve champagne. Um, so I got a bottle of the really cheap sparkling wine that my neighborhood bar, C-Bar, uses to make their brunch mimosas. Um, but I didn't have any orange juice. Instead, I had like, the, you know, those little tiny, I don't know if they're mandarins or whatever, like the little tiny oranges that come in the bags. So you get, Satsumas? Like, That's the one. So uh, this morning I was like squeezing Satsuma oranges <laughs> and making mimosas out of it. But I ended up consuming, I've already had an entire bottle of champagne today. Wow. So I hope that I'm coherent. Yeah, you sound fine. Yeah, I, I'm all right, cool. So I'm on drugs. You're you're a day drunk. I mean, this is all working I'm, out great. I'm, I'm going to open a beer right now. Yeah, perfect. How did that sound? That sounded good. I'm, I'm drinking a polar seltzer. It's calorie-free cranberry lime. Stick some vodka in that thing. I do have a bottle of vodka, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't like day drinking because then I end up sobering up around like nine o'clock at night and mm-hmm. um, then I start panicking, realizing what I'm doing with my life. And I just I don't feel like dealing with that today. Oh, well, I mean, we're doing something cool with our life right now. Yeah, it's true. Yes, we're 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 propping up the corpse of the Alex cast. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but like in a typical day. You don't need to be 100% productive, right? And I think this is actually something that I've had to learn um, with the quarantine is, and this is something that I, I feel like I'm continually teaching myself is like, give yourself a break and give yourself time off. Because I'm, I'm not overly productive, but I'm super good at like making myself feel bad for not being productive. And I've had to kind of like learn that over again, you know, uh, and it's resulted in some behavior that maybe isn't the most um, admirable. Like I've been like binge watching The Mentalist and I've watched a lot of detective TV shows over the last however many weeks we've been doing this. Two, is it two months? I don't know. How, how long have we I been? I think six how, weeks. We've been inside. Six weeks? It's been more for that for me because I, I started self-isolating before the ban because um, I'm, a, I'm a perfect gentleman angel. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, I'm just poor. <laughs> uh, but 
but um, it, it, it just became, it became obvious at some point that I really needed to start giving myself a break and letting myself off the hook a little bit more. So that's actually been, this is, I feel like I've actually relearned a lesson that I learned a long time ago. Uh, so part of my origin story is that back in like 2008, I gave up uh, corporate life and I abandoned working for uh, salaries and all that kind of stuff and just sort of became independent. And uh, part of that process was was kind of like learning how to be easy on yourself, you know? So I would, I'd build a schedule and I'd try to stick to it and I'd try to like, you know, remain independent and productive. Um, but there's sort of like a, a point at which you have to say, uh, it's okay to rest. It's okay to, it's okay to, you know, let your guard down and be, um, and, and kind of like enjoy life instead of constantly pressuring yourself to do more stuff and do more stuff and do more stuff. So if you're doing something now, if you've been productive today and you're still being productive, if you sober up at nine o'clock tonight, uh, and you start to panic, the first thing you should say to yourself is like, Oh, I totally did shit today. I don't need to give myself any grief. I did stuff today. And then I enjoyed my time because it's a goddamn Saturday and it's a friggin' weekend and I should be enjoying my time. Yes. One of the one of the problems you have with your argument here is the okay. cognitive bias that you neurotypicals have. Because you said the key words of enjoy life. You forget. Incapable of that. Depressed boy. So all I have is creative output. So no creative output equals no Alex. Basically, all this right. is my suicide okay. note. That's why I had you record this too. God I've, damn it. I <laughs> I, I've left I've left a I've left a, a hidden file that tells you how to put this up onto the Alex Cast server. Um, no, I'm I'm trying I'm not as hard on myself that I that I th I would have predicted given how mm -hmm. little I'm getting done during this. Um, yeah, but it's still it's still a bummer because I mean I'm still working. I the quarantine all the quarantine has done is uh, ruin what little social life I had because I'm still going to my day job every day like I'm this has not mm -hmm. affected me uh that way so it's like I have all the stress of the day job and then all the stress of the quarantine at night so it's like I'm a little forgiving but I was hoping that taking away what little social time I had would increase my uh creative output and I've just kind of come to realize how much I depended on bars and cafes to get writing done that yeah I just don't I don't have the writing at home skill anymore I don't even know if I ever had it but like it's especially not there now. Yeah. I, I, I've had a parallel experience. First of all, just to address, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry that I made those assumptions that you were capable of enjoying life. Uh, it makes me sad that you're not capable of enjoying life, but, um, and also I have seen you at least fake it and you're super good at faking it. But, oh, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, like, fully anhedonic. I just, for the most part, yeah. I don't. All so, right. yeah. Also, I'm just uh, giving you shit because it's fun to give you shit. It's sort of, you know, it's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, but I've experienced the same thing, um, you know, because uh, I work from home. So I was already working from home when the lockdown hit. And so for me, it's also kind of eliminated my uh, social life. And it's been tough because I don't have, cause I also like, I really like to write at bars. Um, maybe not as much as you, you know, so I write for a living. So uh, I have, I have writing that I'm doing all the time, but when I want to do my own writing, I really like to just have sort of a change of pace or a change of environment because it helps me get into the headspace that I need to do my other kind of stuff. 
So that's been kind of tough. But this week I had um, a really weird breakthrough where I had a few days where I just, uh, I had two things really interesting happen. First, I have this really um, long running research project that I've been working on. It has to do with the, with the uh, Freemasonry. So it's a, like a Masonic history project. And I've been sort of, um, so in the past I've, I've worked on it a lot and I, I kept running into barriers where most of the primary sources for this particular project, like most of the history and the documentation exists in Kentucky and New York, um, which I am currently not in. <laughs> and usually I'm not, you know, I, I'm never over there. Um, yeah, especially Kentucky. So, that's a, that's an awkward place yeah, to get to. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I don't even know how I would get to Kentucky. Uh, you know, I'd figure it out if I really had to go. But uh, so I, it, it's it was it was a it was a source of frustration where I kept running into these and being like, I'm not, I'm not able to get any new information about this. I'm just, you know, regurgitating the same stuff that people have already said. Like, and so I was just running into that over and over again. And then um, earlier this week, I was just sort of like sifting through old projects, and I pulled that one up, and I started looking at my notes, and I was like, wait, I've got a lot of stuff here. And I suddenly realized that I had been putting so much pressure on myself. Like you need to finish this and do like original research and find original historical facts that are just going to blow people away. And the more I was looking at it, I was kind of like, no, I, I, I don't think I need to uh, put that much pressure on myself here. Like I'm looking at this and I can see, you know, three, four, five different articles that would, you know, some of them might be rehashing stuff that's already been said before, but I have, you know, I have stuff to contribute already that might, it's sort of, you know, it's going to be like opinion or analysis mixed with stuff that's already been written before. But uh, it was, it was kind of a huge revelation. I was sort of like, oh shit, I've been putting so much pressure on myself with this project that I was stopping myself from moving forward. Yeah. So that was really fascinating. And then um, I've also kind of been reevaluating the way I use technology to capture ideas. So I've been kind of, you know, working with like the ways I uh, organize my notes and the ways that I record new notes and incorporate them into my kind of like knowledge base and stuff. And that's been super helpful, actually. I've come up with a lot of uh, stuff to work on and new ideas, just sort of like different directions to go. So, um, you know, I'm going to be doing like more solo podcast episodes. Uh, I've got... I've got actually I've I've got some uh, online class stuff that I've been working on which we'll we'll talk about in a little bit but one of the things that I've also been doing is like pulling out old classes that I taught that were kind of crappy classes because I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I've been kind of looking at it and being like oh I can breathe new life into this I can revamp this and turn it into something new so that's been that's been interesting and it's really just been you know this week where I started where we're kind of like the, I don't know, the pandemic bubble kind of popped and I started kind of adapting to the new situation, I guess. Yeah, that makes that sense. sense. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I was just, um, I, I thought of you the other day. Um, you're just talking about uh, reorganizing your notes and this is a very literal thing, but mm-hmm. since, you know, again, this is just the propped up course of a once great podcast, I'll, I'll bring it up now, um, <laughs> is that uh, I was looking at those pens that you can write an in ink on a piece of paper, but it records the movement of your hand and makes them oh, digital yeah. notes. 
I was like, that would be a perfect thing for Eric. I don't know if they work. I suspect they're terrible, but it, I thought oh, of you because I'm like, that seems like the perfect like uh, kind of meeting place for Arnamancy. <laughs> I have uh, I have looked at those and um, kind of rejected them, mostly out of an aesthetic stance. But uh, I have a um, I have a really good friend who's who's like my my main um, client for my freelance work. And he has been experimenting with all kinds of stuff like that. So he uh, he gets like this weird grid paper where he can write on it and then take a picture with his phone. And it like automatically analyzes his handwriting and sticks it in Evernote or, or weird stuff like that. Like he's been he's been playing with these things and, and dealing with those various like handwriting to digital technologies for a while. And he's always showing me new ones or sending me new ones. And none of them have the same kind of feel that i want so i i understand what you're saying but it turns out that i'm just horribly picky like really picky about that stuff uh there's something about you know i I love writing by hand but but i need that like tactile feeling of a fountain pen and i need the sort of like smooth flow of like how i uh write which is some sort of like bastard shitting on cursive sort of style yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah i guess it's it's weird isn't it how writing uh is so reliant on other senses you know so like you were talking about how you love writing in bars and in a bar you've got you know smells which may or may not, may not be very nice you've got like the background noise You've got music that you don't necessarily get to pick and which a lot of times is like probably the music that you were conceived to in the back of a friggin' Dodge Dart or something in the late 70s. I don't know how old you are. Um, but like there's, there's all these things that are out of your control that sort of form this kind of like background uh, sense-scape, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and the I for me it's the... All the stuff that, like, if I'm trying to write in a quiet room, I have to fight my mind, which is, yeah. I can't win that fight for the most part. But Yeah, I, I, I understand that, though. I, I feel that, too. Like, for me, my mind keeps, my mind is really critical of what I'm doing. Yeah, but I feel like in a bar or a cafe, that function can be put to other things like that energy that I would spend being critical of myself or thinking about what was that noise or whatever nonsense your head goes through thinking about the lyrics to the He-Man theme song. Um, But when you're at a bar, you use that energy to like ignore that guy, forget about this song. Um, You know, just it's the little, it's that it's like this um, almost release valve for like the anxiety energy of writing in an an empty room. And it just, it makes you be able, it's like, because it's distracting, you can concentrate better. And I just, I've kind of really miss it. I actually took my, I took a laptop to one of the little rose gardens in my neighborhood to try to write there, but that was way too quiet. I was like, no, this is awful. It's worse than my apartment. So my roommate was complaining about this, you know, because he's used to working in an office and he really likes working in an office. And he was uh, just saying the other day that one of the things he did is he found um, a YouTube track of. Oh, Babylon 5 station noise, like Babylon 5 <laughs> background yeah. station noise. And he just plays it in the background while he's working and it helps him kind of focus into his stuff. Yeah, so I, I, about doing that. I, tried a, uh, I tried a YouTube mix of, uh, of bar noises. It wasn't called bar noises. It was um, 
something a lot of something chatter, alcoholic chatter or something. But essentially, uh, it was just the noises of bars or a party or whatever. And I just I found it kind of annoying. Yeah, I've used uh, background um, like fireplace noises. Yeah, and then there are a bunch of like Dungeons and Dragons tracks on YouTube where it's like you know three hours of a medieval tavern. Yeah, this was kind of like that, except it was modern tavern. Yeah, it just, it's not the same. It's, it's, I mean, maybe if you can forget that you picked it or have speakers in like hidden places or something. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the hidden, hidden speakers might be the solution. You need to have like the, um, the obnoxious, uh, bar jukebox playlist with like some George Thurgood and some Bob Seeger just sort of playing in the background on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of other uh, people, uh, I, I don't know if I, no, I didn't tell you this. Uh, we have, we have voicemails to listen to if you want to do that. Are you serious? Can we do that right now? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. We have, um, I think we have four. Let's do so it. I don't, I haven't listened to any of these. Um, should I see if I've got a bleep function on my machine? Should we bleep some of these out? <laughs> um, nah, I mean, it's not, we're not going live. So if something goes horrible, I can just delete this part, but. All right, I'm just okay. going to hit play and see what happens. I don't even know what these sound like. So um, okay. I think this, well, this is the first one. So I think this might be Steph Quick. Oh, by the way, happy okay. birthday, Steph Quick. It is her birthday Happy today. birthday, Steph Quick. How, uh, she must be 29 finally? Yes, I, I said 39 uh, and then she yelled at me. Ooh, no, 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 no. No, no. Uh, uh, she, she's like, uh, you know, basically did the, well, she owns her age kind of deal. I was like, well, whatever. No. <laughs> I just, I, I've learned from the Jack Benny school of being a gentleman, you know. <laughs> I have um, no idea how old Steph Quick is. I would guess she's maybe older than I am, but who knows? Uh, I know, but I will not be saying because I am a gentleman. Let us play this thing. Hopefully okay. this plays. That's doing something. Oh, here we go. Alex, it is Stephanie, and of course, now you resurrected this stupid voicemail. I can't think of a damn thing to say. Plus, you were <laughs> uh, telling me to call about random stuff, and frankly, I don't see... I'm talking about prop dating and growing succulent this forms and their eminent and fascinating history is random, but I guess not everyone has the type of appreciation for these types of things. Uh, at any rate, uh, I hope that this uh, new voicemail goes great. Um, if I sound a little bit boopy, I'm hyped up on Vicodin because I have a migraine, fruit has medicine, so I'm completely impaired. Uh, Ollie is giving me a look out of the side of his eyes. Mom is cooking. Uh, other than that, I guess all I can say is you don't give Timothy Spall enough man love on that other show that you have with your friend Joan. And, uh, oh, there's something else I was going to say. I don't know, I just ate about half of the thing of Oreos. The mint type that I don't even really like. Um, Wait. Oh, thank you for help with the foot. It's you. almost Bye. over. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. I, I, I don't. Really... I don't give who enough love. Uh, Timothy something something. Timothy Spall. I thought you, I don't know who that is. Timothy Spall. Who is Timothy Spall? I don't know. Let's let's talk about something else that was really fascinating. That is that she just ate half the thing of Oreos, but she doesn't like Oreos. Oh yeah. Well, she's on Vicodin, so. I feel like does Vicodin give you the munchies? Well, I know heroin makes you want to have really sweet things. Does it? And Here's I, I, thing, I feel though. like Vicodin like, and heroin not, are similar. Not liking Oreos—that's a weird stance to take. That's a—that's a, that's a strange. That it's not very American. I'd have to say. You know what's weird about me? Hate Oreos, love Hydrox. 
What? No, I just wanted to say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to be like, what is wrong with you? But then yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to get another suicide <laughs> note, aren't I? <laughs> no, I, I, I guess I like Oreos. I liked an Oreo blizzard, you know, like when it's mixed with uh, ice cream. Uh, Oreos, uh, they, they have uh, weirdly enough been my um, kind of like pandemic treat, you know, so uh, so I, I uh, so first of all, a friend of mine dropped off some groceries for me, um, like the first week, the pandemic, the, the first week of the lockdown, there were a lot of groceries that I couldn't get. And a friend of mine dropped off like a care package with, I don't remember what was in it, like toilet paper and bread and a pack of Oreos. And I was like, oh, man, what a nice treat. So uh, I went big grocery shopping the other weekend and I got a pack of Oreos and they've been, they're nice. You know, I mean, it's. I'm not going to sit down and eat a whole thing of Oreos in any setting, but having a couple of them late at night after dinner, when your day is sort of wound down, it's, it's a, it's a pretty sweet treat. Yes. I, I'm that way with, uh, I get muffins. I'm a big fan of a muffin. Like right Ooh. now I have, I have, a, I bought a plate of nine muffins from, <clears throat> from Safeway blueberry with like sugar on top. And that's my, I mean, it's so, mm. it's so disgustingly bad for you, but God, they're delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been a, I've always been a fan, you know, those sort of like hyper sugary uh, grocery store muffins. I really like poppy seed and I really like the ones that are chocolate with chocolate chips. I nearly got those. Yes. What level of of devilish decadence is that? Who's going to, it's too much chocolate. It's so much chocolate and sugar. I, I, I think I've gotten a muffin like that before and just sort of stared at it until it went bad. It just, it looks like I don't, I don't even like chocolate that much. But it just li- like whatever amount I hate myself at that moment. I feel like would be in that muffin of like, yeah, you fat, disgusting. Let's just do this. Let's just <laughs> yeah. let's just dig in. I just want to. That muffin top is mine. Now. Yeah. Um. All right. Wait. We we have more. We have more. Here's another voicemail. Okay. Oh wait, no, that's not how I do it. The Skype voicemail. I bought a Skype voicemail deal. Um, Can you? Can you turn it up a little bit? Yeah, that's what I feel like I, the, the last one is a little quiet. I'm hoping that was just Steph because I don't know how to turn it up. It's going to be louder okay. in the recording because I'm going to run a, you know, an equalizer. But okay. uh, yeah, I was trying I to make it pay more attention. Yeah, I, it, hopefully this one's louder. We'll find out. Okay. Hey, Alex, this is Alex. I uh, trying out this Alex cast voicemail thing. Never called anything like this before, so. Don't exactly know what to say, so I thought I would just uh, read you a little something from this little book of Zen writings that I have called Zen Flesh and Bones. Ooh. Uh, this one is called Dried Dung. A monk asked <laughs> Uman, what is Buddha? And Uman answered him, dried dung. So there you go. Enlightening, isn't it? Hope you're having a good one. Bye. Ooh. Well, thank you, Alex. I think that's Alex. Yeah, thanks, Alex. I think that's Alex Coppersmith from from uh, Twitter. He, he mentioned that he might okay. call in. Uh, um, I, I like that. I like that a lot because uh, it is sort of a reminder that we live in a world of creation and everything here was created and it's all part of like a vast interconnected machine. And a lot of the stuff that we're sort of like disgusted by, like, you know, dried dung, for instance, is part of a you know circle of life like without that dried dung we might not be able to grow a crop that would feed us and enable us to live longer you know death feeds life and dung feeds life dung is 
uh, <laughs> dung is kind of like the after product of things that die inside us, in fact. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that old Sagan thing, we're all stardust, but like we're also all dinosaur shit and oh, cow yeah. shit. And, you know, like that's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you, it's romantic when you take it to that level, but it's also very uh, visceral on the, on the more immediate level. Oh, it is. But, but I think that that's, um, that's one of those things that you really have to become comfortable with on a, on a mystical or magical path, you know, is, um, the filth. The filth is part of, of what we are and who we are and what we're doing. And you can ignore it or try to eliminate it or try to kill it or whatever, but you're going to be it one of these days. We will all be something's dung eventually. Yeah, though I'm pretty sure I'm going to be immortal. So, you know, I got that. Well, going. then parts of you will end up being something's dung. Well, I don't excrete waste. I don't know if you know that about me. You don't um, you don't like shed skin cells or anything like no, that? No, I live in a perfect oh. homeostasis in which I don't uh, urinate or defecate. Yeah, but I mean, see, that's just because you're really special and have a podcast. Yes, that's that's how it works. Once you get a podcast, you don't shit anymore, which is weird because most podcasts are based around shit jokes. It's true, and but most of those sorry listeners out there, you guys are all constantly shedding dead parts of yourself everywhere, and us podcasters think it's disgusting because we have to dust. Yes, we blame you. Yeah, we blame you, listener. Yeah, disgusting listener. Let's listen to another call. This is from um, the area code is where I grew up. So I'm assuming this is someone I've known for a really long time. 666? Yes, exactly. I grew up in hell. all right okay well that was interesting uh hindi jewish i don't know uh I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, what is it if uh, if, you know, music is the food of the soul, though, right? So that was like um, somebody sending us an Internet Oreo. Oh, thank you, Internet Oreo. Yeah. Thanks. Um, thanks, uh, listeners from area code 666. Yes. Which uh, happens to be, what is it, New Jersey exit 86 or something like that? Yeah, close enough. 92? I don't remember. Oh, I think it's 160. I wasn't, I didn't really, I didn't really, was there possibly, well, I lived in the Northern part of New Jersey. Well, then wouldn't it have been a low number? Uh, no, it starts, it goes from bottom to top. It's, it's. Oh, just like Oregon. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Well, there's no way New Jersey is 160 miles long. So the exits must be just in order and not necessarily by mile. Um, New Jersey might be 160 miles long. Because there's that little fiddly no bit at the bottom. Way New Jersey. Shit. Is New Jersey 160 miles long? Re- uh, listener, we're asking you. Look this up on Wikipedia because we won't. Um, I'm actually going to look up. I don't know. Because um, there's that like little tail at the bottom. Yeah, but it's like that. That's not. It, it can't be that much of a tail. 160 miles. That would be half the half the length of Oregon. 
Uh, New Jersey is about 150 miles long and 70 miles wide, according to well, some shit. random website. But I mean, it's 150, I'm, so it's I don't know where that numbering. I guess that number starts yeah. outside of Jersey, or it's just not based on miles. Um, okay, well, yeah. New Jersey is bigger than I uh, thought. I've learned something on this podcast. I hope the listener has too. Yes, uh, don't go to New Jersey. Okay, um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to play these. All right. No, no, do it. Warning What's before, next? warning beforehand. Uh, this might okay. get cut. Yes, hello. This is um, Alex Sis, and I'm totally not the host, pretending to be someone else. I really love your show. You're a genius. Um, you two should totally bake out, uh, Baba Booey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Alex. Um, well, it looks like about eight minutes later, uh, that same phone number called back. Let's, let's see what they have to say. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hey, it's me again. Look, I'm real sorry about that whole makeup thing you said last call. You know, we're going through some stuff and pretty lonely and you guys seem like you got a thing going and it's, you know, kind of shipping, you know, that term, a lot of, a lot of kids use it. Uh, so, uh. Yeah, sorry to, you know, make this about me and, you know, kind of make you guys feel like you're nothing but pieces of meat to dance and sexualize for my pleasure. Uh, you probably get that a lot, but uh, love you, love the show. Uh, Howard Stern's Peter is Papa Bowie. Wow, I mean, thank you for calling back and wow, and seemingly for, forget what the first voice sounded like. So that's that's good, random person. I don't know who you are. Yeah, that was uh, flattering. <laughs> yeah, you guys, Keith. Um, yeah, look, uh, let's drop the cards. That was me. Um, I'm gonna admit it to the audience. I, I oh, really, really, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't it was such. A, it was a perfect voice. Um, <laughs> I couldn't. So the Skype number that we're calling into, um, which oh, I should tell people what that number is. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I put it in my phone, though. It was on Twitter. Uh, 503-575-9118. 503-575-9118. You can leave a voicemail. Uh, So that's... I only have Skype on the the computer that I do the Alexcast records on, not, like, my phone or, you know, my computer that I, like, live life on. Uh, So I was like, I don't even know if I have any voicemails waiting to play on the show. Uh, so I'll just leave one myself and they'll play that. And I realized, oh, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> so I guess I'll just ask you guys to make out you guys being us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, it's tough to do that since we are, you know, eight or nine tenths of a mile away from each other right now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even, even as, as Brobdignigian as our genitalia are, we cannot reach each other from here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't make out with genitalia, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you don't. <laughs> Sick <Gross>. burn. <laughs> uh, I also asked Twitter what we should talk about, and no one answered. But you, people answered you, and apparently they want to know if cereal is soup, and you responded, uh, how is a car crusher like a panini press? So, Eric, so, I ask you, is cereal soup? I have to say, the guy who asked if cereal is soup, that's Dan Attrell. Like the guy who translated the Picatrix. Like oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know who that is. Smartest, <laughs> weird-ass occultists on the planet. So I was kind of tickled that he asked and amused that he asked such a silly question. And I would have to say, 
Uh, yeah, cereal is definitely in the same family as soup. I don't know if soup would be the overarching category of um, foods that float in other foods. See, my only, and I don't mean to disagree with, with a great man, but, well, I don't know if he's positing it's soup. That's you. So, but if, if, if Mr. Rattrell thinks it's soup, here's my argument though. Because it floats, I feel like it's not soup. Because soup has everything in each other. It's part of a holistic thing. This is a, a, a like, surface structure. Stuff like chicken noodle soup or alphabet soup or stuff like that where there are floaty bits. And maybe as many as cereal. Like I feel like uh, chicken noodle soup in particular is, you know, that the, the, the noodles themselves are kind of like cereal. It, so I think that there's probably a higher category. Like I would say that both uh, cereal and soup uh, partake of similar nature, but mm. are not necessarily of the same manifestation of that nature. Okay. Well, here's something to add to the, the discussion. Okay. Let's take soup. Correct. Uh-huh. Just, we have a bowl of soup. We put croutons, we, we put croutons on it. Mm-hmm. Is that soup now cereal? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would I would say that the same the same resolution applies there, right? Like they they partake of this they they partake of elements of the same nature. So you can look at you can look at things that they have in common and say that there is definitely a platonic ideal of some sort of uh some sort of essence of a thing where there is food floating in another food and that that platonic ideal lends its essence to both cereal and soup. Okay. No, I got gotcha. you. That makes sense? No, it does. It does. But I guess I'm asking for like, here's, here's my, here's what I'm going to posit. I want to know kind of the, the liminal space between soup and other food. Let's say we have um, a plate, okay. a, a large plate with, uh, with uh, raised edges around the side, you know, uh, to, you know, that style plate where it's, so, you know. So, so a shallow, so a plate that's sort of, yeah, like has raised, it's like a normal dinner plate. Yeah, normal dinner with, plate, but with like, you know, kind of like a stared edge on the side. So it's like, you know, the, you can keep the food inside, yeah. have a place to hold, you know. that that lip that you're not going to like spill on yourself. Exactly. That style of plate. Totally all the time. Yeah. Okay. Now we put some chicken in there. Uh-huh. No, no, let's do, no, no, let's do it this way. We have, we have, uh, we have uh, roast beef and uh and some mashed potatoes on it jesus i'm getting really hungry with gravy now we start pouring gravy onto the mashed potatoes and 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 roast beef right Uh uh-huh when does it turn into soup because if you keep pouring gravy at some point it will be a suspension of potatoes and meat inside of a colloid thus being soup but when I originally started, have... we were in a superposition, a la Schrodinger. That... I know. I know where the the change happens. Okay. Okay. So, uh, first of all, you have to acknowledge that there are there are at least two types of soup. One of them involves sort of things that are just entirely creamed, like um, you know, like squash soup or something, where it's just sort of a, a it's like a smoothie in a bowl. Yeah. It's it's a hot smoothie. Ugh. Um, it's so much grosser so you get that way. <laughs> But then you have a lot of soups that involve something like a broth or a gravy with additional ingredients in them. And I think something becomes a soup when you have major ingredients in there uh, that do not necessarily touch the bottom of the vessel. So they are suspended okay. in the liquid or floating Suspension. in the liquid somewhere. 
Okay. I like it. So, so you could theoretically have, have a, a bowl with very large edges that go all the way up, uh, almost like, like a, like a stadia of, of plate. Okay. And (laughs) you pour enough gravy in that it will at some point turn into a soup because the, the, the rising tide, uh, raises all, uh, ingredients. So something could transition into a soup halfway through based on like the specific gravity of the liquid and mm-hmm. the specific gravity of the thing in the liquid. So yeah. let's say you've, you've got this stadia bowl filled with gravy and you've got like a huge chunk of meat sitting in there, like a Schweinehoxen or something. But by the time you are halfway through the, with that chunk of meat, it floats. You have turned your meal into soup. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Now, where does okay. stew fit into this? Stew is something that wants to be soup, but hasn't really gotten there yet because uh, everything is touching the bottom. Okay. All right, so it's like a homogeneity issue. Yeah, I would say it's a. There's a spectrum. Yeah. There's a spectrum of soupness and a spectrum of stewness, and I would say that the spectrum of cerealness probably stretches into uh, things that are, first of all. Well, actually, you know what? Cereal isn't always cold. You've got oatmeal and porridge and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, See, I feel like oatmeal, bit... porridge, gruel shouldn't count as cereal, even though they are cereal. But I mean, when you say breakfast cereal, no, I feel no, like it has to totally be cereal. I, no. I think of oatmeal when people mention cereal. Oh, see, I think that's a totally different category. I, I think of breakfast cereal. It should be oh, cold. Like you know, Captain like Crunch and uh, Frosted Flakes. And, yeah, or just uh, anything. Even 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 the boring uh, Mr. Kellogg's uh, anti-masturbatory uh, corn flakes. Just regular. I always masturbate when I'm eating corn flakes. Yeah. Oh, you should probably cut that. <laughs> well, you know that story, right? That's where <laughs> corn flakes came from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely know that story. Yes. Um, I mean, not that I was there, even though podcasters are immortal. Yes. Well, oh, well yeah. we only started becoming immortal once the podcast started. So it's, yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, honestly, we started to become immortal the minute, uh, the minute there was a telegraph machine. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I was wondering why I, I remembered. I was wondering why I remembered the Great Wild West. Um, <laughs> so, Eric, why is a car crusher like a panini press? Well, a car crusher is like a panini press because they both crush things. Yeah, I mean, I guess I thought you were going to go a little more philosophical there. That was the most philosophical things that I that I've ever quote. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why a par- car crusher is like a panini press, but I guess I was sort of thinking about like these are things that that partake of a particular nature, right? Like they both sort of crush things. Uh, they both change the nature of things, and they both turn things from one level of usefulness into another level of usefulness. Whereas like with the panini press, you're getting something that's more useful because you're getting a delicious panini. And with the car crusher, you're getting something that's less useful because you're getting like a brick of car. Yeah. Which is nothing like a bullion cube. It turns out. Um, soup. I was just trying to figure out some way to like force hot rod into there. Cause you like, like a hot rod, it. but it's, it doesn't really work because like paninis aren't really rods, but they're pretty close. Like in what we just discussed, the cereal, I feel like we could make a rod argument for panini. I feel like if you had a if you had a panini press that that uh, that was that squeezed, you know, 
in additional directions, additional dimensions, mm. you could make a hot rod of sandwich. Yeah, like some kind of like taquito. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe the real question is, how is a taquito like a hot rod? Yeah. And of course, the answer is because they're both car crushers. Oh, yes. Oh, wait, hold on one second. <laughs> right. I'm hitting pause. Okay. And I'm back from being. <laughs> Yay. Welcome back to the Alex cast. Welcome back. This is, yeah. This we're, is not your host, but the other guy is. We're, we're answering the question. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Uh, well, why is a raven like a writing desk? Because Lewis Carroll wanted to fuck with people. Okay. I mean, I think that's the actual answer. <laughs> Hey, I have a question for you. Yes. Has your uh, reading gone up or down since the lockdown started? So much down, it's not even funny. Oh, really? Yeah, that's... I think mine has... I don't know that mine has necessarily increased or decreased, but I've been trying to force it to increase. And uh, I've actually, you know, I... I've been, I've had to become like really cautious with spending money because I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a freelancer. So my income is never very steady. So I've been trying to be really careful with it, but I have got some new books recently. I got a biography of Paracelsus, which I'm really excited about. And then I got this really fascinating book about uh, gender and magic by uh, Misha Magdalene, which I'm really enjoying. It's, uh, it's, it's super good. Yeah. But, I, uh, on very similar note, been playing video games because <laughs> mm. I can't concentrate or anything. No, I got sucked into this video. I want to go back to those books, but I just want, I want to explain to the audience why I'm not reading. I okay. got kidnapped by a video game. So there's this game called Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Xeno, Xenoblade? Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It doesn't matter. Okay. The point is, the game is, it takes fucking forever, especially if you're me that like doesn't, I don't, I don't think in video game very well. So I guess I didn't build the guys right yada yada it doesn't matter but the fact is i got really into the story of it so like uh-huh. i wanted to end the story but i kept running into these walls of like oh that thing i should have done a while ago i had to go <laughs> back and do so it's like dozens of hours and i just keep and i was like kidnapped i finally got free the other night i'm like oh my god it's over <laughs> like I, I, it's finally <laughs> done like i feel like i did a stint in the clink like I just, I did, but uh yeah i want to start reading again <laughs> yeah uh, oh, so I did just get uh, ebooks of um, Neil Stevenson's *The Baroque Cycle*, so I'm super excited about reading that again because I just I loved that uh, series so much when it first came out. Which ones are those? Um, the Baroque Cycle is the one that uh, it's got like Isaac Newton and uh, Boyle and. Oh, I don't think I read it. Uh, Daniel Waterhouse, and it sort of takes place in the 1600s and 1700s, and it's around um, the birth of kind of like the modern scientific method stuff, but also the birth of modern finance and banking. It's fascinating. It's so good. I, I, it's hard for me to say that I really love Neil Stevenson because I have had kind of like a mixed reaction to a bunch of his books, but the ones that I've gotten into, I've just adored. And that's included like uh, Anathema, uh, Ream D. Um, I really like the Baroque Cycle. I really like Snow Crash. But then like uh, Cryptonomicon, I was only able to finish that book because I'd already read the Baroque Cycle. 
Yeah, Cryptonomicon was the one that broke the one that broke me. Hey, hey. Uh, um, well, I mean, the Broke Cycle is huge. It's yeah. probably three thousand pages. Well, I read uh, I read uh, Snow Crash, which I really liked. I read that back in yeah. uh, probably high school or something, like when it was popular. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I tried Cryptonomicon next, and that I just I found it just a, a sluggish bore and just never finished it, which is rare oh, yeah. for me. But I just it was one of those. I liked this one book, and then I kind of. You know, you can kind of pick up on like, oh, that's what I liked and he's not doing it as efficiently or like, you know, you kind mm-hmm. of get that feel of like, oh, I get why I like the thing and that thing's not going to be there anymore. And you just kind of walk away. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I feel he, like yeah. in his uh, in his early novels in particular, like uh, Diamond Age and Snow Crash and stuff, he was kind of bad at uh, tying everything up. Like the, the endings didn't always land super well. Like there was this amazing story and this amazing world and all this incredible stuff going on. But by the time you get to the end of the book, you're kind of like, he just wants to end this now. I guess that's just how it's going to go. And it, it, so I, I've been uh, a little dissatisfied with some of the endings. But Baroque Cycle, I don't feel like it ran into that problem. It's, it's, a, it's a page turner. It really felt like he wrote until he was done. And I mean, it, it's honestly, it really is like almost 3,000 pages of stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, or, I, I've, I, I just recently read all of the uh, Wheel of Time books. So like something being 3,000 pages, I'm like, oh, that's easy. I've, I've just read a, a couple million for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should check them out. I'll, I'll help you find them. Yeah. I'm probably not going to ever get to it, but you know, uh, thank you for the recommendation. I'm just going to, I have to start being honest now that like, there's some things I'm just <laughs> never going to get to. I'm never going back yeah. to Neil Stevenson. Yeah. God, that's a, that's a tough place to get to, isn't it? I'm actually like, I'm looking over at my bookshelf right now and I see this one book up there that has been on my shelf forever that I I can't read the bottom half of the author's name. So I, it's uh, Salambo, I think by Flaubert. I don't remember why I got it. It's like a cheap paperback, but I'm, I'm never going to read it. I don't think I'm ever going to read it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm currently reading the, uh, the Brandon Sanderson books. Uh, which are quite Brandon good. Sanderson. Brandon. Brandon's, yeah. Brandon. Oh, the the uh, Mistborn. Mis- yeah. Oh, I love those. Yeah. God, so those are good books. I read the first trilogy of Mistborn, which I, I adored. And then I just uh-huh. read the, uh, the available books of the, uh, the, um, what the hell's the other one called? Light. Um, I, I won't be able to answer these questions. I can never remember. Yeah. Uh, what the hell's uh, the one after Oh, Jesus Christ, Alex. It's, uh, uh, Jesus Stormlight, Stormlight, the Stormlight archives. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So I've read, there's like two books available for that, which I read and, and I really mm-hmm. love. Uh, and then I went to the second trilogy of The Mistborn. And the first one, I only, like, if the book's 300 pages, I didn't start liking it till about page 250. <laughs> it, was, it was such a weird experience where it's like, I, I don't know what it was. It just really, really, I mean, it didn't, I didn't hate it. It just didn't grab me. And that last 50 pages, like, man, I can't read, wait to read the next one. It's like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> where was that the first 200 pages? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to read more, but it's it's not going super well. I've got stuff that I have to read. Like I've, I've had some um, uh, potential guests pitch me and send me um, copies of their books. And I got to read those. But sometimes, you know, there's, you know, so like uh, Misha Magdalene's book um, that I was that I mentioned earlier. It's brilliant. And. I am really looking forward to uh, trying to get um, them on my show. 
And then another book, I'm rereading uh, one of Patrick Dunn's uh, magic books. I think it's uh, Magic... Oh, shit. I can't remember the name of it. It's like Magic Language Secrets Power or something. But it's this incredible, incredible sort of like advanced occult book about um, linguistics and semiotics. Oh, cool. And it is it has changed the way I've thought about stuff. And I did find him on Facebook and I did contact him a while ago. And he was a little lukewarm. It was hard to it was hard to get a sense of if he was even interested in being a podcast guest. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hound him about it uh, again because this book is just it's such a game changer. I really am enjoying that. If one. you come at it from uh, if you're if there's still magic to it, but I got really into neurolinguistic programming a few years ago. Oh um, yeah, that's kind of like that's definitely you know tangential to magic yeah and uh, you know you just the, the the title of his book kind of just reminded me of that of there's a uh there's an overlap between the two so it's mm-hmm. even if you just find any nlp practitioner there's a great magical conversation to happen um i was going to uh years ago when i got into it and then i got distracted and now i don't remember anything i read about nlp but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i got it i got introduced to nlp in college so way back in the you know mid 90s um, but, uh, it's a pretty fascinating topic. I, I don't know necessarily how I feel about it. Uh, parts of NLP feel a little unethical, but, um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting subject. Yeah. I just say uh, like kind of magic word stuff. It's just, I, it's, I think there's a lot of that in the magical tradition, like, I, you know, unconsciously, but I think there's a, oh, yeah, a yeah. huge overlay. Yeah. Patrick Dunn's uh, book talks about that and, um, it's got all of these practices for doing things like uh, inducing glossolalia, you know, speaking in tongues. Yeah. It's ha- it has practices to get yourself to do that. And then it has practices for, you know, like scrying and sort of like in, like examining your own, um, uh, I guess he calls it a semiotic web, which is like your, your way of uh, inducing and creating meaning and interacting with meaning, how language and meaning are tied together. How it's it's just it's it's very insightful. I'm I, and the book is it's kind of it's I guess it's not that old, but it's more than ten years old. So it's been out for a while, and I just never really came across very many mentions of it. It's one of those books that it, it really should be, you know, once once you're done with like your your you know intro chaos magic stuff, this should be the next book. This should be the book that you read where you're kind of like, oh, man, I've been studying chaos magic. And now I can go and approach any other magical system and incorporate it. And I know what I'm doing. It's yeah. really that good. That book is um, I don't know how popular the download is, but I downloaded uh, recently one of those um, um, mega link kind of things of uh a hundred occult books or whatever, you know, like that one of those uh-huh. random hodgepodge. And that book was in there. So there's some, you got to read it. Yeah. There's some, uh, there's, there, there's some recognition of it in the kind of magical occult community. Well, if you decide to read it, just make sure you send Patrick Dunn some money. Oh, it sounds yeah. like you just pirated it. I did, but I've also said on many occasions, everybody is feel free to steal my books. Um, I, yeah, but I, that doesn't mean you can steal other people's books. Just send him a few bucks. He he probably only gets like two or three bucks a copy. No, I mean, I feel like that means I can steal other people's stuff. Because here's the thing is, um, I don't believe in ownership. So, yeah. 
yeah, if I end up reading the book, I totally will. That's what I usually do is um, if if I end uh, up with uh, pirated material. I say, yeah, I'm just, well, I just, I would like, um, you know, if your listeners pick up that book and start reading it and getting stuff out of it, uh, you know, tweet at me. Oh, yeah, fair point. Oh, wait, let me finish the, that point then, too, because now you bring it up. I forgot that I talked to other people. Um, so here's what I do. Like, riff okay. tracks, one of my favorite things of the world. Uh, I steal all the time. However, they have a donation button on their site. So I've donated probably more than I would have spent having bought the things. Uh, okay. The same as uh, any kind of, uh, like, uh, uh, Magical Egypt, uh, um, the uh, John Anthony West, which I love, uh-huh. stole. But I really liked it. So I sent, I think I either sent to PayPal or I just bought the system afterwards. But like, uh-huh. I always do that. Like I'll go back and give people, you know, props for the stuff that, uh, that I pirated, unless it's, you know, a Marvel movie, then, you know, they can just fuck right off. But you know, like any kind of yeah. small story. So anybody listening, uh, don't, don't let my flippant attitude towards uh, stealing, uh, give you ideas. I do actually turn back around and give, uh, to them. Though to be fair, no one's ever given me anything from when they stole it. So maybe I should. <laughs> Now hold on. I mean, I I have I I think that uh, I mean you know we're both independent creators, right? So it's really special, at, at least for me. It's super special when anybody decides to put any money towards any of my stuff. Um, but I still want the quality to be to be super good. So I I'm always like really self conscious about it. And so like lately, I've been doing like the the online classes and recording them and selling the recordings and I want them to be really good. I want them to be super useful. So I keep them kind of cheap, which I think is unlike other occultists who do this. Yes. I I can guarantee you that is true. (laughs) There's been, there's been many things I was interested in and then didn't do because I didn't want to drop a hundred bucks on some, you know, whatever. I'm not going to name names, but yes, you were doing, you were doing, you were doing the good work. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, But I wish there was a way I wish the problem is you just can't you can't count on people to do this but i wish there was a way to just like give it away for free and be like oh if you like this throw me a few bucks but people don't throw you a few bucks they just they just take and um that's hard to deal with yeah i I mean in in a way i would love it if people uh if if it you know hundreds and hundreds of people learn from my classes but at the same time, I didn't learn in a vacuum, you know, so if they really want to learn for free, they can go through the same process I did. Yeah. Which takes like 20 years. Um, I, I guess, though, even with my process, it's still going to take 20 years. So there's, there's no way to shorten it. You can't like you can't shortcut to learning shit. Well, I mean, you can do it. Not, I think you can do it quicker now beca- just because of like how easy information is to get like when we were coming up it was hard to find stuff oh it was impossible yeah so like i think you could probably i think you could probably cut a few years off of your journey if you know if okay. if the internet was better when when you know when we were young oh yeah for sure i, yeah. I think that you you cut off the you cut off a lot of the seeking portion of it. yeah which so for you, me that took forever yeah <laughs> oh yeah you so you get the material in front of you you get you know, you get a way to learn. I, I agree. That yeah. Makes sense. And, you know, being how I am, like, I've watched, like, two things on YouTube, so I'm pretty much an expert now. Oh, yeah. yeah. You sound like an expert. Yeah. I mean, I am at everything. I, I watched, <laughs> in fact, uh, I, I now know that the coronavirus is uh, is fake because I watched a YouTube video of it. So Really? I, I heard the up. internet is fake. Yeah. That's why I didn't watch a YouTube video on it because it turns out it's not. Oh. Yeah. Internet uh, flat. 
I don't know if we knew that. Uh, uh, did I mean, you? We, we, oh, sorry, go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the coronavirus thing, you know, we're in Oregon, which has, like, just, we've been so incredibly unhit by it. Uh, it's hard to appreciate or it's hard to really understand what's going on out there. Yeah, yeah. No, I have, I have friends back east that are uh, reporting back to me at times. And it's like, oh boy, that sounds, that sounds very yeah. unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. I think we're really lucky in Oregon because we've got such a low population density. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, did, what were you gonna say? Oh yeah, uh, uh, this probably isn't going anywhere. But you referenced that you were going to ask one of our listeners uh, if if they wanted any topics discussed. Did uh, did they ever get back to you? Uh, Vanessa got back to me. That's the one I was thinking of. Um, and I, I wish that I had a transcript of what she got back to me with, because it was this long list of, uh, questions involving, uh, Sumerian mythology and Sumerian magic and all this stuff where I looked at it and I was like, shit, I don't even know. I don't even know how to say yes or no to any of these. Okay. So Vanessa... Vanessa, I totally read your questions. I just didn't, I just don't have uh, any of the knowledge required to answer any of them, but they sounded fascinating. And hopefully you will answer them and uh, come on Alex's podcast and share the answers with the rest of the world. Well, as, as an expert of uh, the entire, you know, kind of Sumerian region, I'll answer it for you. Uh, okay. Yes, no, Anana, cuneiform, because it's wedge-shaped, um, I probably think there was one before it. Okay. Oh, you forgot to mention Enkidu's penis. Oh yeah, Enkidu's penis, of course. Uh, oh because, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, because okay. when he went into the got it. went into the woods and laid with woman, he became the feral person, and then oh. and then the mighty Humbaba uh, ended up fighting him, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's how Ur was formed. Ah, uh, it's the Ur Ur. Yeah. Do you think the uh, the fake city next door is the Ursats? Or, or? Or, or. <laughs> I don't have an answer to that. Well, you know, you know how you kind of like get on podcasts and sort of take over sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm doing that to yours now. So, Alex, are there any links that you want people to check out now that we're reaching the end of the podcast? Well, um, I'm. This is my podcast, so I should be asking you that. No, no, I'm asking you this. Like, uh, how how can people find your book? Uh, well, they should go to arnamancy.com. Uh, oh, yeah. I've uh, heard of that website. Uh, uh, listen to Arnamancy on your favorite uh, podcatcher. Uh, Are you on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? Go to uh, alexbolan.com. Uh, that's my link tree. I just pointed my whole website at my link tree because that oh, makes nice. things easier. Oh, that's great. And that's Alex with two X's and Bolan with two L's. Yes. Okay. In that order. Uh, what, what, what are you? You're Arnamancy everywhere? Arnamancy everywhere. Uh, A-R-N-E-M-A-N-C-Y. I'm Arnamancy.com. I'm Arnamancy on Twitter and Instagram and even Faceballs. Yes. Oh, uh, on that note, here's something I can tell uh, my audience. Uh, so so Eric and I both have uh, Patreons. So you should yeah. sign up for those. But uh, uh, more importantly, uh, mine, uh, the more important one because it's my show, uh, There's we're going to have a warm-up with Eric and I uh, that we did. It was fun. That, that, that I'm going to put on there. But also there's a... Um, Somewhat bonus episode of John and Alex Hate Stuff going up there where we discuss uh, Dr. Sleep. It's not a full John and Alex Hate Stuff. It's just kind of a little more free form than normal. But uh, yeah, we did. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to end up, but like we did a significant I, amount of time on it. I haven't watched Dr. Sleep yet. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. So last night I saw Jackie Brown for the first time. 
The Tarantino movie? Yeah. Oh, no shit. How'd you like it? I thought it was great. Yeah, it is. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, I was really impressed. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then I think last week we watched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Which was yeah. amazing. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, I'm I'm a Tarantino so, fan. I just haven't gotten around to that one yet. It's one of those, just, yeah, I'll Tarantino, get to it at some point. Yeah. 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 So anyhow, uh, thanks. So I'm Arnimancy. We already talked about that. Yeah, you're Arnimancy. Go, people find Arnimancy. And, and be okay, Arnimancy. Yeah, go find Arnimancy. Yeah. I, you know, I've got a podcast. I've got some good stuff. Oh, one of the things that I'm working on right now is sort of a series of episodes. So far, it's just going to be two episodes. The second one is coming out like this week um, about the Hypnorodomachia polyphili, which is a Renaissance inconobulum. Um, this might be a really long ongoing project, but I'm just sort of like trying to find experts in this particular book and talk to them about its influence and what it's about and all this sort of stuff. But uh, it's been it's been like a total nerdy delight to work on that particular project. So hopefully <laughs> listeners here will go check that out. Yeah, quick question. Uh, now, I, of course I know, but uh, why don't you tell the listeners at home what an incanobulum is? I mean, like I know, but, you know, I don't I, I feel like I've already <laughs> talked so much that I'm not going to say what that is. An incanobulum is a book that was printed in Europe before the year 1501. So it's basically like the first century well, – probably the first 70 years of movable type uh, printing presses in Europe when Europe was sort of like first figuring out how to make books. That's a, that's, those are, those are the incunabula. Yeah. I think I've seen that word before, but I, I've certainly never heard it aloud and definitely couldn't have given it a, a, a description. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying, uh, I'm enjoying working in the podcast series. I'm sort of, uh, Eventually, if 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 it continues, so I so I've been interviewing this guy named Ted Hand, who's a sort of like an independent scholar and this incredible, brilliant historian. Um, and I've been interviewing him about uh, this book, um, and I think we're going to do a few more interviews. But I might also find some other experts and kind of like sprinkle them in there. I'm not really sure how that's going to work out, but uh, it's fun. It's weird. There's lots of great pictures to go along with the podcast. Uh, tons of dongs and uh, gods and weird shit. So yeah, good. It's fun. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So everybody, rate, review, subscribe to Arnimancy everywhere. You can rate, review, subscribe to Arnimancy. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Bye. <laughs>